Today on Bold Steps Weekend, Mark Job explains that making a quiet space in your life helps you hear the voice of God and put things into divine perspective. I believe that when you find your quiet space, it helps you release the things that you have no control over. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your cares on Him because He cares for you. Some of you need to stop worrying and start casting some of your cares on Jesus because He's big enough to carry them. And welcome to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. Today, we continue the message titled, Making Quiet Space in Busy Places, an encouragement to block out distracting voices and take time to listen to what God is saying to you and maybe what you need to do. What a great time to consider this as we're at the start of a fresh new year. All Bold Steps Weekend messages are archived for you to conveniently listen to again. Just go to boldstepsweekend.org. Right now in Luke chapter 10 with part two of the message, here's Mark Job with today's Bold Steps Weekend. You cannot have self-pity and have joy at the same time. Self-pity quenches joy. And you're not focused on God when you're in self-pity. Self-pity has one focus, and the one focus it has is yourself. Let me tell you, if you're living right now in self-pity, and, and uh, people, how many of you know we all go through our little pity parties? How many of you have been through pity parties recently? Yeah. How many of you are going through a pity party? To, no, don't raise your hand. Not today. I, I, you know. But you know what a pity party does? It makes us feel like poor is me. I do all the work. No one else cares. I carry all the weight around the house. I do all the finances. If, ever, if, ever, if other people would do their job, my life would be happier. I would have more joy. No one else cares. My siblings don't pitch in to help for our aging parents. All of it falls on me. No one else helps me out. I wish everybody would do their part. I'm the only one that does it. No one even cares. And God, do you even care? Do you even notice that I'm here. That's what self-pity does to you. Lord, don't you care? Questioning the love of God. When you fall into self-pity, you start to question even the love of God, the concern of God. The character of God is questioned when you fall into the trap of self-pity. And Martha was so overwhelmed, not just because of this. I can guarantee there's a history building up for her to get to this point where she's wondering if Jesus even cares about the situation, if he's even noticed, if he, he even cares about the difficulty that she's going into. She's already fallen into a victim's mentality, the mindset, God doesn't care about my situation, and if he doesn't care, then I must not be important. Number four. If you don't have a quiet time, if you don't get a time where you refresh, where you feel, where you listen to God, where you experience his love and understand, sit at his feet and listen to what he has to say. Listen, you'll start to get angry towards people that are closest to you. Verse 40, my sister has left me to do all the work by myself. I can hear the anger in Martha's voice. She's not saying, hey, my beautiful sister Mary, she loves to worship God. Oh, she's got a sensitive heart. She just, she's awesome. I love her sensitivity and, and how she seeks the Lord. And she's just such a beautiful soul. It's not that, he's my sister.
my sister has left me to do the work by myself. Tell her to help me. You see, what I've discovered is that when we don't have a quiet place and we start to get overwhelmed and worried and anxious and stressed out and upset, that usually we, we, we know that we shouldn't live that way. We don't like to live that way. We find ourselves kind of blowing up at, at, in situations. But then what happens is we start to blame it on people around us. We start to feel like it's people around us that have made us that way. And if people around us would change, then we would be different. And so we shift and say it's because of them that we're upset. It's because of my boss. He gives me too much workload. I'm stressed out. It's because of my husband who doesn't lift one finger around the house to help with my kids or discipline them or do anything. It all falls on me. If he would be more proactive and a man, maybe I wouldn't feel this way. It's because of my family that doesn't help at all. They help just the people that they want to help, the special ones, but they'd never lift a finger to help me. If they would help out, then I would be different. And so we develop resentment and anger to the people that are around us because we feel if they would were different, I wouldn't be stressed. There is no one that can take your joy but you. There is no one that can steal your peace but you. You are not a victim. You need to take ownership of your attitude and your joy. Now, there are circumstances that make it hard, but there's no one that can take away your joy. No one that can take away your joy. You, you need to take responsibility for the attitude that you have. Amen? Why don't we say it out loud? I take responsibility for my attitude. No one can steal my joy unless I allow it. Whew, you got that off your chest now. You see, the moment that we start acting like victims is we act like other people have made us the way we are. I talk to people that are angry. I've sat down with husbands that are abusive with their language and are, are, are just menaces at the house and they make it sound like their wife has made them that way. And sometimes they convince that the, the typical tactic of an abuser is to make the person that they're abusing think that it's their fault that they're abusive. And sometimes people live under those circumstances long enough that you almost think that, yeah, it's, you know, he's angry and abusive and swears and does things like that because of me. No, 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 let me tell you, he needs to take responsibility for that. No one can make someone like that. They take responsibility for that. It is not your fault that someone blows up that way. Mary had fallen into the mentality of a victim and she was angry and explosive towards her sister because she was playing the blame game. And by the way, she was playing the comparison game. Look at my sister. I'm doing more work than my sister is doing. I'm comparing what I'm doing with my sister and I feel like she has a better life than me. Can I tell you, no one ever wins in, in, in the comparison game? No one. And if you don't have a quiet place and a quiet time, if you're not centered, uh, if you haven't centered yourself on God, if you have no quiet space, then chances are you'll fall into a comparison game. 
The comparison game, by the way, in today's society is worse than it's ever been before. In fact, we have a whole generation, especially of young people, because of media, that make it even more easy to compare themselves with other people because every time someone puts up a Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook, you don't post a picture on Instagram. You don't wake up and say, wow, I look bad. This is a bad hair day. I don't have a lot of those bad hair days, but uh, you don't wake up and say, let me take a picture of how bad I look. People don't do that. You wait until you're at a fun time. You've spent an hour getting ready. It's a great hair day. You just, your makeup's perfect. And then you go. <laughs> and you wait till friends are around. You gather them around. They say, oh, no, no, smile. <laughs> and then someone that's at their house having a bad day and alone by themselves, they look at the Instagram, they see you with all your friends, you're looking so good, and they compare themselves and they say, wow, look at my poor life. I wish I had friends like that. I wish I looked like that. I wish I was as happy as they're happy. But what you don't understand is that they were just fighting before the friends, before they took the Snapchat, that afterwards they got in a big fight with each other, and that they really don't look that good all the time. But uh, sociologists and psychologists are doing studies today and are discovering that the rate of loneliness, depression, suicidal thoughts, and anxiety is at an all-time high, especially among our young people, in part because we're super connected so that we can compare ourselves with other people's lives. We're super connected via our mobile devices, but we're very little connected relationally. And when you live in a world of comparison, you're digitally comparing yourself with other people. You're always gonna lose when it's just the highlight of the best moments that you're comparing yourself to. And so I believe that when we play the comparison game, we're always gonna lose when we get into that mode of comparison. She's prettier, she's thinner, she looks better, she has friends. Look at my lousy life. And we play that comparison game and it's a way that the enemy uses to bash us down, beat us up, make us think that we're the only one that struggles, the only one that's alone, the only one that struggles with self-image issues, the only one that doesn't have a lot of friends because we compare ourselves with this fabricated, fake thing that we call social media. Mary, before the advent of social media, was already struggling with the reality of her own heart, comparing herself to her sister. And there was a frustration. Frustration is the gap between reality and our own expectations. So if you don't have a quiet time, if you haven't found a place to be quiet before God, listen to center yourself, to hear his voice, to listen to the voice of God, chances are you're gonna struggle with a lot of these things that I just listed. And then in verse 41 and 42, this is what Jesus tells Martha. He says, you are worried and upset about many things. Listen, but only one thing Say one thing. Aren't you glad it's just one thing? If I gave you three, you couldn't remember it. But there's one thing. 
You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing, only one thing, one thing is needed. Not three, not seven, not five. One thing is needed. What do you mean one thing, Jesus? Yeah, one thing. If you do this one thing, it affects everything. If you get this one thing right, everything in life is affected by it. Your body, your mind, your soul, your spirit, your happiness, your joy, your filling of the spirit. One thing, one thing. If you don't get this one thing right, everything suffers. One important, fundamental, foundational, powerful element that if you don't have it in your life, everything else in your life will, will, will have a detrimental effect on how you live your life. It's one main thing that so many of us ignore. We neglect, we step over, we don't see this one thing can make a huge difference in this year. And Jesus himself said, one thing, one thing is needed. What is that one thing? Well, he doesn't even go on to explain what that one thing is, but he points to a picture. He points to Mary. What is Mary doing? She's on the floor at the feet of Jesus, listening quietly to what he has to say, looking into his eyes, hearing his voice, absorbing what he has to say in full surrender. She's found her quiet space. Mark Job on focusing on the one thing. Let's take a short pause in the message to remind you to visit the Bold Steps Weekend website when you get a chance at boldstepsweekend.org. Our entire list of broadcasts is archived there for you to easily listen to again at your convenience. By the way, we have a variety of convenient ways you can listen to Bold Steps Weekend, including our podcast. If you'd like to listen on the go, just open up your podcast app on your mobile phone or smart device and search for Bold Steps Weekend with Dr. Mark Job. And then if you'd also like to access the special new video content coming out exclusively on the Bold Steps YouTube channel, be sure to subscribe there as well by searching for Bold Steps Radio on YouTube. Now, with more on getting the first thing right, here again is Mark Job with the rest of today's Bold Steps Weekend message, making quiet space in busy places. Can I tell you something? I've given you this illustration before, but let me just remind you again how it works. It's happened to me in the past before. Get up early in the morning, my wife is still in bed and still asleep, I don't wanna turn on the light, put my shirt on, start buttoning my, button my first button, button my second button. By the time I get to the bottom, I'm like, uh-oh. Can I tell you something? You get the first button wrong, you get all the buttons wrong. One thing, one thing. And many of us, what happens is we get the first button wrong because we haven't done the one thing that affects everything the one thing that Jesus said, this is part of what you have to do. Let me ask you this question. What would happen if you decided, I'm gonna get the one thing right every day? The one thing, the one thing that Jesus said, this is the main thing that you have to get right. 
instead of going to bed at night and the last thing that you think of is the 10 o'clock news and who's getting killed and shot and tragedy around the world and violence and rape and murder and you go to bed worried and 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 just overwhelmed with the dark cloud and you get up in the morning and you turn on the news again and you just hear a lot of more political infighting and um, just the negativity of the news. And so you go to your day and already you filled your mind with everything that's wrong with the world and you get into Chicago traffic and it just adds to it and you can't stand it and it's cold and the pressure at work. And you by the time you walk into your work, you're already in a nasty attitude. But what would happen if you decided I'm going to get the one thing, the one thing straight every day and you'd get up in the morning and before you turn on the television, before you check your Facebook or Instagram, before you open the paper, before you get anything else into your spirit, what if the one thing that you did from the beginning that you would find your favorite chair, your favorite spot that you would go into your office or the living room or wherever it is and that you would open up your Bible. And that the first information you get from that day, the very first thing that you get that day would be the word of God. And that you would stop and you would read a Psalm and you would listen to what God is saying. And you would breathe, speak to me, Lord. I'm listening. And you would spend a little time praying and getting all those things that are on your shoulders, all those things that you're worried about, and that you would say, casting all your cares on him, for he cares for me. And so you throw all those things on God, and you remember that he's sovereign, and you read a psalm, and you let the Holy Spirit speak to you and fill you with the fresh new love, so that when you jump on the expressway, you've already done that one thing. And when the guy cuts you off, you can give him a smile and say, these crazy Chicago drivers, man, I'm going to keep my joy. And when you walk in your building, you say, thank God I have a job to work at. Praise God that, I, that I'm able to work here. And when you see people, you don't see them as problems, but you see them as God's creation and people that you can love. And when you walk through the day, you've already done that one thing and it's filled you up and powered you up and you are ready to tackle the day because you have that one thing right. Hey, I gave my life to Christ when I was 15 years old, seriously. And that's one of the practices that I was taught in the beginning. Back in the day, they would call it devotions or quiet time. But I determined as a 15 year old, I still have the Bible that I started with that I would do that one thing every day. And to this day, every day that I get up, I do that one thing first. Now, I know not everybody has to do it the first thing in the morning. Some of you are night people. For me, it's the first thing I need to do in the morning. I have my spot. I make my cup of coffee. I don't know. I hear the voice of God better with a cup of coffee. I get my cup of coffee. I open up my Bible. I read. I listen, I write a prayer out, what I sense that God is impressing on my heart. I pray, and then you know what? Then I say, come on world, come on world. Whatever you got, throw it at me, because I've done my one thing. 
And when I have my one thing, I feel more filled. When I do that one thing, I feel like I'm in the right place. I've had time at the feet of Jesus to hear, to listen, to be filled, to be empowered. And it changes my day because I've done that one thing, that one thing, that most important thing that's needed in my, and hey, it doesn't end there. Because how many of you know that you, you, you got to refill throughout the day as well? The, beauty, the beautiful thing about the power of the living Jesus is that I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. So it's not just in the morning that I can connect with God. But as I'm, as, as during the day, I can just say, Lord, help me at this time. I need, I need a fresh empowerment by your Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is with you 24 hours a day, that you can talk to God at any time. The Bible says pray without ceasing. So I'm connected to the one thing. I started with the one thing. I'm flowing on the one thing and I'm walking with Jesus during the day on my good days and no matter what comes my way I feel like yeah let it come because I'm connected and filled with the power of the living Jesus one thing and I'm just wondering hey how's the one thing in your life I believe that when you find your quiet space it helps you release the things that you have no control over. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Some of you need to stop worrying and start casting some of your cares on Jesus because he's big enough to carry them. Well, that's Mark Job, and you're listening to Bold Steps Weekend. I hope this message was helpful to you and a challenge to take moments each day to find a quiet place to get centered on the things of God and discover those new mercies and grace. You can replay this message online at boldstepsweekend.org. While you're there, be sure to check out all of the bonus content and special resources we're offering. One resource we highly recommend is our current Bold Step gift, and Mark, you have more about it. Well, I'm here in the studio today with a good friend, Joe Stoll. And uh, some of you are familiar with that name. Joe was a pastor for many years, the president of Moody Bible Institute, also the president of Cornerstone, a speaker, someone that's taught the Word of God for such a long time and so appreciative of uh, Joe and his friendship. He's been encouraging and pastoring people for a long time. And Joe, there are people right now, because of all that's happening in the world, that are very concerned as they start this year out. Mm. Can you speak to someone that maybe is gripped by fear? Yeah, for sure. I think one of our challenges is we tend to think horizontally everything that's happening around us. And I think the wonderful transition is to begin to think vertically, Mm. where we begin to focus on God. Because guess what? He's stable. He's good. He's faithful. He never changes, and He loves us and cares for us. So when we focus vertically, the horizontal all of a sudden comes into perspective, and we have peace instead of fear, and we have quiet in our hearts instead of the chaos that tends to arrive. So when we did Strength for the Journey, our daily devotional, one thing we were hoping is that many people would get vertical with God and begin every day with just a few minutes on it with a devotional, which would then dive them more deeply into the Word of God. I love that. And by the way, uh, Joe's talking about our uh, premium gift this month, and we're trying to get as many people into the Word of God as possible. So Strength for the Journey, short devotionals, one for every day to help you focus vertically instead of horizontally. Thank you, Joe. 
Well, it really is the best time to be diving into a devotional like this, so don't wait. Reach out today and request this month's Bold Step gift when you give a gift of any amount to support this ministry. Just call us at 866-535-5580. That's 866-535-5580. Or give online and request strength for the journey when you go to boldstepsweekend.org. Or send your gift in the mail. You can write to us at Bold Steps Weekend, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And for a gift of any size from our first-time donors to Bold Steps Weekend, you'll receive a thank you email with a link to Dr. Job's brand new e-devotional that you can download right onto your phone or tablet for easy reading. That's two devotionals for just one gift from any first-time donor. So if you've never given to Bold Steps Weekend before, now is the perfect time to do so. You'll get Dr. Stoll's Strength for the Journey and Mark Job's 30-day e-devotional Bold Steps with Jesus by giving your first gift of any amount today at boldstepsweekend.org. Or call us at 866-535-5580. That's 866-535-5580. And before we close today, I want to remind you to sign up for Mark's weekly email devotional called the Bold Stepper Weekly. It brings you a fresh perspective from God's Word, filled with insight, encouragement, and helpful ways to apply Scripture to your day-to-day life. It's delivered every Monday morning straight to your inbox, absolutely free, with no cost or obligation. So sign up today and be ready for the next edition by going to boldstepsweekend.org. Well, that's our time for today, but be sure to come back next week when Mark shares a message about handling life's disruptions, uncertainties, and unfulfilled expectations. That's next time on Bold Steps Weekend. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.